Um, really, the, Cody said, you know, the thing about the reason we're all here, really, I was just even just singing our last song. It's, it really is. The reason we're here is Jesus, okay? And the reason that we exist and are in this room and are followers of Christ, those that are, is because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And the reason that God has done so much this school year is Jesus, okay? There's people in here, I can see some of your faces, you are different people than you, you were when you walked onto campus this fall. You are a different person. And that is, there's one reason for that. Guess what it is? Jesus, okay? Jesus, yes. Um, so I want to, tonight, my focus of my message is going to be on, it's called Stay the Course, and my focus of my message is on you graduating seniors. Stay the course. And I'm going to preach straight at you. So I, this is my prayer for you as we go into this message. It's Apostle Paul at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the, the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Father, I pray especially for these graduating seniors. I pray that this verse, this statement by Paul, would be true of their lives. That it would be true of everyone's lives. But that this verse, this passage, would haunt them. That they would, they would want to live a life. At the end of their life, they said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I pray that there would be things I say in this message, not as no point of no glory to me, that you would help them remember that and stick with them for the rest of their life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first thing, if you want to stay the course, is to stay humble and teachable. Stay humble and teachable. You may be graduating and getting your degree, and you know a lot of stuff, right? You know a lot of good stuff. Um, but the truth of the matter is that you don't know what you need to know to succeed in life. You don't know it yet. And so you need to continue learning, continue growing. And ultimately, humility is about who you compare yourself to. Okay, you don't compare yourself to other people, you compare yourself to Jesus. And when you compare yourself to Jesus, everyone's humbled. When you compare yourself to God Almighty, you are humbled, okay? If you actually think about that. Isaiah 66, 2, it says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. Do you tremble at the word, the truth of God's word? Does it, does it make you does it affect you emotionally? Does it even kind of scare you a little bit when you read God's word? Does it cause you to tremble? Humility is this posture before we have this holy, awesome, amazing God. And humility is just putting ourselves in our proper place, which is like worms, okay? <laughs> Except for very loved worms, okay? 
Recently, I noticed there's, there's been, actually, it's been really sad, a wave after wave of these Christian leaders that I have really respected. Um, I remember one Christian leader that I was at a conference, and he was speaking, and I was, like, fanboying it up, and I'm, like, trying to get to the front to get a selfie with him, ask him questions. I was just all about, I had a little man crush on this guy, okay? And, but what turns out is there's been, a, recently, there's been a lot of scandal, a lot of things in his life that suggest that he wasn't really who he, his public persona said he was. And there's been several guys like that where maybe it's alcohol, maybe it is just pride, um, maybe it's um, sexual things that, that just took out their ministries. And Rick Warren got a group of guys together. He said, I've been keeping an eye on about 70 of you. And he, he, had, he ended up with like a really small group of guys, about 10 guys. And he said, you guys were the up-and-coming pastors that I, I've been praying for and keeping up with. And I wanted to bring those of you that are still in it um, together and just let you know, stay the course. Stay faithful. Because the first thing, that, the first mistake they made was they got prideful. They started believing that they didn't need God, that they weren't desperately dependent on God. The moment that you think that when you see someone else have an epic fail, an epic sin, the moment moment you think, oh, that'll never happen to me, I would never do that, that's when you're in danger. Because you, in that moment, your pride makes you a candidate for the deception of the enemy. And your pride is actually going to lead you to make a sin, a little sin, a little sin grows into a big sin, and it snowballs. And eventually you get caught. Ravi Zacharias said this. He said, sin will take you farther, farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Harold Bullock, um, one of my mentors, who has stood the test of time, and he's old, I don't know how old, but he said, without good training and accountability, rising stars in their 20s and 30s often become falling stars in their 40s and 50s. So if you don't have the accountability, the training, people in your life to say, bro, what you're doing, the attitudes you're having are not on point. If you don't have that, there's a good chance you might be one of those statistics. You may not become a mega church pastor, okay? <laughs> a lot of us won't. But you, every one of us has a responsibility for, before God to stay the course, and if you get serious about following God and making disciples and making an impact with your life, let me tell you, the enemy is going to put a big fat bullseye on your back. Satan, all of a sudden, just put a bullseye on your back. And let's read this little passage here. It's in Luke twenty-two thirty-one through 34. Jesus is talking to Simon Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you knew me. Luke 22, 31, 34. Simon Peter was on the right track, right? His attitude was like, yes, Jesus, I'm going to go die with you. He was like bowing up. He was ready to die. But his, his, what was his problem? It doesn't exactly say, but I think maybe his problem was he was relying on his bravado, and he was not humble and dependent on God. Because Jesus told him, you are going to deny me three times before the, the rooster crows, that you know me. So, But I also love this picture 
of Jesus, he said, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. So even before Jesus knew Peter was going to blow it, like royally, none of us has failed as bad as, as Peter has. That is an epic fail. He knew Jesus face to face. And the day before he, he denied him, he told Jesus right to his face, I will die for you. And then the next day, he responds in fear and cowardice. But Jesus is saying, I know you're going to blow it royally, and I know I'm going to forgive you. When you turn back, strengthen your brothers. And I'm going to actually put you in charge of my church. So Jesus actually put Peter in charge of the early church, the first church after his death and resurrection. And Peter's first sermon, he led 3,000 people to Christ. Just a little bit after, he, did, he made the one, one of the biggest epic fails in the history of Christianity. So that should encourage us, okay? Because anyone else has failed? Some epic, anyone? Okay, a few people. Maybe not as epically as Peter, but we all have. I love this passage in Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. It says, Because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. You will fail, and God has already promised to forgive you. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new day. So when you get out of here tomorrow, you will fail on some level to follow Christ. And you can turn from your sin. You can get new mercies every day. I remember when I was in college, I was struggling with this sin that was kind of had a grip on my life. And it was, it really, I was really embarrassed by it. And I was really trying to overcome it. And I had some, some progress. And then I slipped and I, I failed. And, and I just was in having this like pity party with, with me, myself, and I. We had this little party. And I was depressed. I was discouraged. And I was praying like, Lord, why did this happen? Why did I do this again? And it was one of the clear times the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said, what else would you do without my help? What else would you do without my help? And it was, it was like kind of like heavy and, and like it felt, it hurt, but it was also freeing in that moment too. Because I realized, what else would I do if God wasn't helping me? I would be a sinner. I'm a sinner without Christ. And so it's Christ and humility that bowing the knee to Christ is what empowers you to live a victorious life for Christ. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, it says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So if you sin, which you will, you need to ask God to forgive you, and then you forget about it and move forward. Forget is what, what is behind. Preach the, repent. Turn from that sin. Preach the gospel to yourself. And then keep moving forward. Take your next step of faith. Don't put yourself in spiritual timeout. But humility is a difference between making it in the long term or not. If I had to do one point, it would be humility is the one key to being successful in your spiritual walk long term. Because humility is the key to overcoming sin, and because you can't do it without God. You can't be holy without God. Try it. Don't try it, okay? <laughs> Don't try it. And you cannot defeat Satan and his demons without hum humbling yourself before God. 
James 4, 6, and 7, and 10, it says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humility is the key to winning the battles of life. Humility against Satan, you submit yourselves to God, resist the devil. Humility is the way you fight your battles of life. Uh, has anyone seen the movie Beethoven? I watched it with my kids. It was, it's a pretty funny movie. But in Beethoven, there's a classic scene where there's a little boy that's being bullied, and his dad or someone is encouraging him to stand up like a man and fight. And there's a bunch of big bullies, and he's right here, and the little, the little guy finally decides to bow up, and I'm going to fight these bullies. And the big Beethoven dog, the big gnarly dog, comes up behind him and growls. And, uh, and the, the bullies are like, oh, snap, and they run off. And, 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 the, um, and the little boy is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, That's what it's like when you are humble before God. If you kneel before God, you can stand before anyone. If you are humble before God, you can be the most confident person on the planet. If you are the most humble people, also happen to be the most humble, the, the most confident people. Because their confidence is not in themselves. Their confidence is in God. And they know that if God wants me to do something, he's going to get it done. And I can trust him in that. 1 John 4.4, 4, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So there's more good news for those of us that pursue humility is God doesn't just give us his spirit and his word, which is enough. He also gives us spiritual leaders in our life. And the way spiritual leadership works is we have people we can go to when we're struggling. We have people we can go to. And in our very spirit, real sense, in a spiritual sense, spiritual leaders provide an umbrella of protection over you. They're fighting battles. Your spiritual leaders are fighting battles you don't even know about, and they're praying for you. They are standing, they are, they are a help to you when you need it. So that's one of the reasons when Christy and I decided to move out to Chico State was we knew there was a healthy church here and some, a pastor that we, I could really learn from and grow from. I didn't want to just be a Lone Ranger guy doing this ministry. I wanted to have input. I wanted to, as Harold Bullock says, your 20s are for training. Okay, your 20s are for training. So that doesn't mean that you can't go do something for God. You got to wait till you're 30 to do something for God. Does that, is that, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you want to be in environments where you're around older, wiser, and other people that, that can influence your life and impact your life and say, hey, bro, I wouldn't do that. Or they say, you're doing a good job. I believe in you. That was probably the primary thing that Gary did for me. Is it wasn't as, there was a few, hey, bros, don't do that. <laughs> okay? But there was mainly, I believe in you. How can I help? I believe in you. How can I help? And so you need some people in your life like that. For, from now until at least you're 30. <laughs> and actually for the rest of your life, you're going to need people in your life. So using your 20s for training doesn't mean that you can't go into missions or you can't go join the college ministry challenge staff because it's a great way to, you, some of the best training is on the job training. That's just like a little side note for you. And here's a thought is that would you rather have 50 or 60 years of impact of just where you're firing on all cylinders in ministry and killing it for the kingdom or, or 
more, but less effective? Would you rather have 40 years of effective service or 50 meh lives? <laughs> okay. That's, you, you need to invest in training now so that you can use the rest of your life to grow and to make an impact. So even with training, you're going to make a ton of mistakes, okay? You're going to make a ton of, of epic fails, and um, no one's going to, there's no one, no training program good enough that will cause that not to happen. <laughs> there's really two ways to learn, though, the hard way or the easy way, okay? The hard way, the hard way is by trial and error, and the easy way is through God, his word, and wiser people that, that teach you stuff. Teachability is the only shortcut to life. Harold also said that. Um, but following leadership and being in a, under spiritual authority is actually not easy. Even for someone as great as Gary. I, I, I meet with Gary every week. I spend time with him. And we rarely disagree. But the times I do, I talk to him about it. And it ends up he's usually right. <laughs> okay, On the back end, I look back later, he's usually right. And even when I still think I'm right, it, things work out with that <laughs> as it is. And so I found this little t-shirt one time. Um, it says, to save time, let's just assume I'm never wrong. <laughs> okay, <laughs> And we have like a little game where, um, where he makes up a random fact that no one could possibly know. And Tim and I, um, we guess which... <laughs> if it's true or false, basically. And it's usually true. The, most, the more obscure, the more details, the more true it is. So that's just a little funny thing there. But a, few, a while back, I was struggling. I was as good as, how, who could struggle to follow this guy? Look how nice he is. <laughs> I was struggling. I was struggling to follow him. And there was, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a major issue. But there was an issue that I disagreed with him on. And I thought, well, maybe... Maybe I could talk, be really slick, and I could talk him out of whatever he's doing. Or maybe I could kind of do it, but not with a whole heart. Do what he's saying. And then the Lord put this verse on my, on my mind. Like, it was like a, a, a it, this one wasn't like a nice, gentle, this was like a gut punch. <laughs> okay? First Peter 5, 5 and 6. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And when that verse came to mind, because I memorized it, that's, the Lord brings those verses to mind when you memorize them, uh, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I realized that this issue was not my stewardship. This was his issue to deal with. And honestly, I don't even remember what it was now. Okay, and things are good. Things are trucking along with the church, with the ministry. Everything's going great. But in that moment, I had to fight a battle. Am I going to follow or am I going to kind of be not, not humble? It's not really following unless you, the leader's going in a different direction. Because you're, if you're following and you're going the same direction, you just happen to be going the same direction. Okay, but when the leader's going this way, that's when a humble follower follows, even though they don't, they don't um, understand. Now, that doesn't mean that you do things that are shady. If they say, if I tell you, go rob a bank and bring me the money, don't do it, okay? That's bad. Um, so then you, you got to use wisdom in that. And then you also need to prayerfully choose spiritual leaders to follow. So that's why I encourage, choose a church that you can plug into after college and, and go there and trust God to provide a job for you. Ed Stetzer said this way, put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. 
Put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. I want to challenge you. Don't just do what your parents expect with your life. Don't just do what you think, well, I got this degree, or, well, I got to make money so I can get a job, so I can eat, and so I can sleep, and car, all that. Just, don't just do that. Learn to really listen to God and follow his leading in your life. Really discern what is God calling you to do. A great book on that topic is Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung, if you want to check that book out. It's called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. And then here's a good question to consider also. Considering my unique gifts, abilities, and passions, what can I do with my life that will make the greatest impact for Christ's kingdom? Just answer that question and go do that, okay? Just go do that and answer that question, and the Lord is more than able to redirect you. If you're, like, trying to go to the mission field, which... Um, Satan doesn't like to call people the mission field very often, but um, if you're trying to go overseas to share the gospel, um, God is more than, and you're really humbly trying to follow God's lead, God will redirect you. He'll say, no, no, this is, this is your path. So don't let anything stop you from fulfilling God's call in your life. That's, that's my challenge to you seniors. Don't let anything stop you from fulfilling God's call. But you're going to need some training. You're going to con- need to continue getting training. The next uh, thing I'd say to you is stay zealous and stay faithful. Stay zealous and stay faithful. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Again, this is something I pray for you guys, is that 10 years, 15 years from now, you would be more fired up about Jesus than you are right now. That it wouldn't just wane. Life wouldn't cause your zeal to wane. That's the way I am. I'm way more fired up for Jesus than I was 15 years ago. I'm way more urgent about the mission that God's given me than I was 15 years ago. I, sometimes I can't sleep at night because I want to get up and I want to serve the Lord and continue doing what God's called me to do. I find so much joy in the opportunities that he's given me. Uh, my, my, one of my heroes, who's a legit hero, is Max Barnett. He's been doing 60 years of ministry, and when he, I want to bring him in, I want to bring him in to speak to us. So he started when he was 20, and he's 80-ish now. And um, and when it, when he when he comes, I'm going to have him come speak sometime before he dies, Lord willing. And um, he when he comes, he just spits fire. It looks like this. It's just like you're just. <laughs> just verses are just, and it's like, how does this guy do it? He's just like going for it. And then uh, another guy, Harold Bullock, I mentioned him a lot, but he's not as exciting as Max, but he has the stamina. He can, he can go all day. He can, he can just preach and teach and counsel and do whatever he, he needs to do for like 12 hours, 15 hours a day. He can just do it straight. The Chinese church uh, house church in China, they won't take you, they won't take any guest preachers unless they can preach for at least three hours straight without stopping. They're like, no, we don't even want you if, if you don't. So th- there's just like this, there's this zeal that I just want you guys to keep in your life. Just there's more you can do. So why does the zeal fade? Is Mark 4.19. It says, the worries of this life The deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Other things is the key word you can circle. Other things. Other things besides the word of God, besides Jesus, besides knowing him. I have another friend named Tony Wu that graduated a few years before I did. And so it's been almost 20 years um, that 
that he graduated, and he's a big-time businessman. He travel, he flies around. He's he's an Asian guy, so he, tra- he it just his name's Tony Wu, just so you know context. And he flies like all over the world doing these business meetings. And he is like he makes more money than any of us probably ever will, except for Solomon. Where you at, bro? Okay. <laughs> Tim Tebow, the next Tim Tebow. Okay. Um, but man, I I caught up with him the other day uh, a while back, uh, like a year ago, and. Uh, that's how, when you get old, it takes a while. It's like, it's like, okay. Um, he, he just had, a, he had some struggles. He came out of the ministry like ours, and he was like wanting people to disciple. So he plugged into a church, but he did what he knew how to do. And he just grabbed two guys. And he, he basically just worked with those two guys, discipled them. He was super busy, kids, all kinds of crazy stuff. And, but he discipled them. And one of them now is leading a college ministry at Georgetown University. And it's like this really big, significant college ministry. And he also, now he moved to another town, and he is leading an international ministry that he just started from scratch in his free time that he doesn't have. <laughs> okay, He's like driving across the city, picking up internationals. Uh, I think when, it, when I was talking to him on the phone, he was like, yeah, I got to go because I'm, I'm driving. He actually was driving to go pick up an international student during my conversation with him. And so if I asked him, hey, Tony Wu, what are your hobbies? He would laugh because <laughs> he has a wife. He has kids. He has an international ministry he started. He's mobilizing people. He's discipling men. He's an elder at his church. He is serving his guts out for Jesus. And nothing wrong with a hobby here or there. But too many people, too many men especially, settle for what I call a boyish life. <laughs> it's pretty sad. They, they really settle for a life where they're just doing the bare minimum to get by so they can do whatever hobby that f- fills them up. The, the golf, video games, whatever it is. And they just, they do enough to make their wife happy, enough to make the money. And then this is me time. My football, my golf, my video games, whatever it is. And many people, they just slip into that. There's a lot of grown boys, okay, that, that, that aren't really serving the Lord. They're not really living their life to, for a purpose that's bigger than themselves. And that's what, that's what makes a real man or a real woman of God, is when you're living for something bigger than just make, filling yourself up. The best way to, to get filled up for God is to pour yourself out. When you're pouring yourself out to serve others, I promise you the Lord is going to fill your life up with so much more joy than you could ever have. John Wesley said this. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. If someone says, hey, Nate, can you help set up for this church event? You're like, yes. And Nate is that guy, okay? If, if, you, if someone says, hey, I need someone to help with the kids, or hey, we're going to go sharing the gospel on campus, you should say yes. Because you should do all the good you can. You should be a yes man in all the right ways, or woman, okay? Um, we have the greatest cause on earth. C.S. Lewis said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is infinitely important. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. So again, it's impossible to exaggerate the urgency of eternity. Forever is long, and Jesus is the only way to God. That's all you need to know. 
forever as long. Jesus is the, is the only way to God. That should, that, I'm a simple guy, and I believe that. So I want to use the rest of my life telling people about Jesus. I want my life to count to see as many people as in heaven as possible. I want, to pr- I want to challenge you. Pray this prayer for one week. It's a prayer by Jonathan Edwards. It says, O oh Lord, stamp eternity on my eye- eyeballs. Kind of an interesting prayer. But basically, it's praying, asking God to help you see life from an eternal perspective. Because forever is a long time. Are you going to live for that? Or are you going to live for yourself? So I talked about zeal. Now I'm going to talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness is the other side of the coin. Faithfulness comes in when you don't feel the passion surging through your body. When you're not at a worship conference or something. Faithfulness um, comes at 5 a.m. when you need to get up and you need to have your quiet time before the discipleship group, the men's small group at Cozy Diner. Faithfulness comes when you don't want to do anything but curl up in the fetal position because life. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, I had that moment this week. Okay, I let me tell you, I was working on this message, and so a freak accident happened, and my message found its way into the trash. I had it; it was done almost. This whole message was almost done, and it it, it was in the trash. And between Christy and I passing the computers, I'm not blaming her, um, it, it's gone. It was gone. So it was, it was completely gone. And so I had to completely restart my message. And I was tempted in that moment. I was tempted. Am I going to be faithful or am I going to be curl up in the fetal position and say, <laughs> cry because of life? Um, no, but what I did, I, I don't do this all the time, so don't look at me like a hero. But this time, I said, Lord, help me. I need help. And then I texted my family. This freak accident happened. <laughs> it was like Thanos snapped his fingers. Okay. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then when that happened... God greatly helped me. God helped me. And I just started writing and started writing. And now it's longer than before. Sorry about that. But I think it's actually better because I cut some things out and I, I added some things in. And it was like in three hours later, it was completely done. And it was like just God helped me. And it helped, he, first he helped. He was more concerned about my attitude than he was about the end result. And so because I aligned my attitude up with him, he ended up blessing me and giving me my message back, basically. And it's better than ever, um, I hope. So also faithfulness comes in when your life isn't exactly what you dreamed. Okay, like five, ten years from now, when you don't have the job that you're dreaming of, when you don't have the wife or the husband that you're dreamed of or the kids or fill in the blank, faithfulness is going to come in when your dream isn't fulfilled yet. Faithfulness will come in when it's like the daily boring grind of work or school or whatever it is. It's, that's when you need to find joy in, in Christ. Psalm 37, 3 and 4, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I'd encourage everyone in this room to memorize that verse. Because you're going to need it. Between the age of 20 and 30, you're going to need this verse. 
Because there's going to be a time in your life where you're just like, where's all the goods? <laughs> where's all these blessings they're talking about? Um, so just recently, Lord actually provided a house for Christy and I. It's a beautiful house, and it's like way better of a house than I thought I'd ever have, honestly. And I wasn't seeking a house. I wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar because <laughs> just where we were at financially. But, and we were living open-handed. But all of a sudden, basically, a, a chain of events happened, and we're in this amazing house right next to Christy's parents. And for some people, you could say that's a blessing, you know. But... <laughs> Um, it is. It's, trust me, it's a blessing. Um, but I had this thought when I was looking at my backyard, and it was a beautiful backyard. I was like, Matthew 6.33 is really real. Like, you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I wasn't seeking a house. I wasn't seeking financial security. But the Lord has been blessing us. Doesn't mean life is perfect, but it means the Lord has got your back. You seek first the kingdom, and the Lord will bless you abundantly. And I think if I wasn't content when we were starting this ministry, living living in this tiny little house um, with hardly any money, um, if I wasn't content and faithful then, I don't think we would we would be where we are at now. First Timothy six six it says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain." It's another good one. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you're not content and faithful with what the Lord gives you now, he won't bless you with more. But here's a key. The goal of life is not earthly blessings. The goal of life is eternal blessings. That's where it's at. Eternal blessings is really what what we want. We got to hold all the earthly blessings with an open hand. They're, they are just what they are. They're blessings. And so God can give them or he can take them away. But Matthew 6, 19 and 20, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, a story I love to tell is about Owen and I hunting crab. Some of you have heard it, but we were hunting crab at the beach one time, and we had a great time catching a bunch of crabs, and we were driving on the way home, and Owen, it was like such a beautiful day and just perfect, father-son time. We were driving home, and Owen said, Dada, are we going to hunt crab in heaven? And I said, uh, I think so. Yeah, sure. Well, I don't know. And he was like, Dada. Uh, do we get to eat whatever we want in heaven and still be healthy? And I said, I know that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Then he said, Dada, uh, is there treasure in heaven? I said, yeah. There's actually, the streets are paved with gold. He was four at the time, really into pirates and treasure. And so he was like, oh. <laughs> and then he said, uh, Dada, you know what the greatest treasure in heaven is? I said, what, son? He said, Jesus. Jesus is the greatest treasure in heaven. And I said, that's right, son. <laughs> and then he started talking about, you know, pirates or something. <laughs> the faithful life is not a flashy life, but it's a beautiful life. If you're going to invest your life in something that matters, it's not flashy, but it's, it's beautiful. It's something that is beautiful. Let's check out this video. It, it kind of just gives a, it's a poem about a faithful man's life. Let's check, turn off the lights here. 
heed until the fire. See him with his books, tree beside the brooks, drinking at the root till the branch bear fruit. See him with his pen, written line, and then better thought preferred, deep from in the word. See him in the square, kept from subtle snare, unrelenting sleuth on the scent of truth. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. This is my prayer for you, is that living is about Jesus, and dying is gain, because you get to be with Jesus.
I love that last phrase in that video. It's, it's about gain. The last um, point, if you want to make an impact, if you want to stay the course, is stay focused on making disciples. And this is what we're all about at Challenge, so I'm not going to belabor that point. But the way we talk about making disciples is based on 2 Timothy 2.2. And it says this, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So if you are a follower of Christ, at the end of the day, you can do a lot of good things with your life. You can make a Christian t-shirt company. Okay? That's good. Okay? You can make a Christian Instagram company. I don't know. Or whatever. I don't know if that would be good or not. But whatever you do for God, make disciples. You have one job. Make disciples. Jesus' last words in Matthew 28, 18, and 20 was, his last command was make disciples. So his last command should be our top priority. Okay? Jesus' last command should be our top priority. Um, there's a guy named Dawson Trotman that started this movement of one-on-one disciple-making. And he ended up discipling a guy named Waylon Moore. And he discipled a guy named Waylon Moore. And Waylon Moore discipled a guy named Max Barnett. And Max Barnett discipled a guy named Paul, which is me. Okay? And, and I had the privilege of helping disciple Cody and teach him some stuff, and God has completely changed his life. And then Cody has poured his life into Jacob. And Jacob has not just taken that for himself and the growth there, but he's also passed that on to to Angel. And Angel is now discipling, got to help baptize Ben. And so I asked Jacob, Angel, and Ben to come up and to share their testimonies of, of what God has done. So let's give them a hand, guys. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> um, so my testimony, before um, I really took my faith in Christ seriously, um, I was kind of a, uh, Cody describes me as a punk, and it's pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> um, I was really self-absorbed. Um, some of you may remember me um, from, I mean, that was six years ago, so a lot of you won't remember me, but... Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, even some of the selfless things that I did, some of the things that I, I um, did in order to serve others, it was really just for my benefit to make me look good um, in the eyes of other people. I wanted people to see me being selfless and go, wow, that's a really selfless guy who's like really cool. Um, and so I, w- I really thought like the world was about me. I was, I was getting um, what I wanted, what I, what I thought I deserved. And, um, I d- and the more that I put into my own life, uh, the sadder I actually became. I, I didn't actually get any fulfillment out of any of that. Um, people's like praise didn't help me. Um, getting more things didn't help me. And it wasn't until um, I truly understood uh, through a gospel appointment that it isn't about me, that it really is I, I was made to glorify God. Um, it was at that point that I like, just I loved myself, not because of who I am, but because of who God made me to be. Um, and I started following Christ, and I haven't stopped since, thankfully. Um, and a big part of that is Cody and his influence on my life. Um, Cody has changed a lot about my life, and, um, and both in an, an intentional way. A lot of you guys are, are meeting with somebody one-on-one, um, and you, in those meetings, you go over 
uh, lessons, and they're really good, and, and a lot of those things have, have really changed my life through Cody. But a really big unintentional way that Cody's changed my life is just by him leave, leading, leading his life and showing me what it's like to live a life um, that is really centered around God, that is anchored on God. Um, I mean, it, it, Cody leads the kind of life that, like, when he's ordering a coffee at Starbucks, he's thinking, how does God want me to interact with this person at Starbucks? Which is something I don't think I've ever thought. <laughs> um, and so he really pushes me to um, make God the actual center of my life, that the things that I do in everyday life um, 100% reflect God and, and what he wants me to do in that moment. Um, the things that, that Challenge has done... Um, well, a really big thing, um, in 2014, I did a, a Chico Project-like event, um, and it was there that I, I finally grasped that God's grace is incredibly deep and that he forgives me for the sins that I kept continuously doing. Like Paul, he was talking about um, he kept falling and falling, and it was really frustrating, and I was going, God, how can I be a follower of you and still be committing these same sins over and over and over again? And and it was at that um, project that it was in those small groups, in those communities, that it was made clear to me that, that God's grace is really infinite and that he will forgive you and that he loves you. Um, it was there that um, I got a vision for missions and for the people who don't have this grace in their life. And I, because of that, I went to East Asia twice to go share the gospel in places that um, their gospel is not even getting shared. And um, if... This is kind of, I guess, my little pitch. If, if you're thinking about doing Chico Project, but you're like on the fence, like, I'm not sure, just do it. It really did um, kind of kickstart my um, walk with God. Um, so, yeah, that's what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, that was totally not planned. <laughs> So, um, personally, before I was truly following Christ, I was just, you know, living to have what I truly wanted, you know, be who I wanted to be, and I was very selfish and self-centered and focused on myself almost every day, and that's all I heard, but after I truly, you know, started walking with Christ, my love for people just grew tremendously, insanely, and not only that, but I was dealing with a lot of different issues throughout the time. I have been bipolar since I was around the age of eight, and it was a struggle, but God himself, he just gave me unimaginable strength to be able to overcome stuff like bipolar disorder to the point where I don't take medication. I haven't taken medication in over two years, and I wouldn't have done that without God. So God has been there giving me strength each moment, and Jacob, Jacob has truly been there through the ugly and the uglier, the highs and the lows, and <laughs> he's just been very honest and patient, and that honesty is what helped me just grow and what helped me realize that there were things I had to change in my life, and he's held me accountable for all of my actions, and that has helped me just truly serve people more and let go of my uh, focusing on myself as well. And in my time in challenge, I've had to make sacrifices. I've had to make certain decisions, take open doors that God has provided. And one of those was Chica Project, hint, hint. <laughs> but um, Chica Project helped me realize that there were some character flaws that I still had and that they, I had to work on them. 
And another thing I've done is join core team, and core team has really just helped me learn more disciplines, learn to be a better listener, and work better each day with people. And I also got to spend a summer in Bolivia, and that really just helped me draw my strength from God and draw my wisdom from God because, you know, it was a different environment, and I wasn't going to be able to do it alone. And just all these decisions, though hard and, and to some degree, they helped me get closer to God and just become more dependent on God. And, I, and my heart for the, nation has, for the nations has grown because of all those things so much that now my goal is to be a full-time missionary sometime in the future, to die just sharing the gospel and helping people come to know Christ. Can you guys hear me? Is it good? Okay. So, uh, so I'm Ben. What's up? Uh, and my story's kind of crazy. So until the age of 17, I was actually an atheist. And in uh, May of 2015, that's like when Christ revealed himself to me. And like, that's when I realized like, that he was real and I should follow him. But I didn't know what it meant to live like a Christ-centered life until I uh, came to Chico State in my freshman year and got connected with people from Challenge and specifically got connected with people like Angel. And I remember our first meeting with Angel and he just clearly shared to me uh, the idea of salvation and what, had, and what Christ had done for me on the cross and what he had given me. And like from then on, like that was something I, like I really wanted to pursue. And like we began uh, meeting weekly. But this was really hard for me because I'm like super anxious and just like social anxiety and just like all this stuff. Like, so it's like the idea of talking and connecting with people was just something that I was so uncomfortable with and just wasn't sure if I could really do it. But Angel and everyone in Challenge was just so patient with me and helped me overcome my social anxiety and get plugged into this community, which I'm so grateful for. And Angel specifically has always pushed me to grow in my faith, never just stagnate, but he's always encouraged me to grow and grow. And uh, one of the ways he pushed me was uh, through my spiritual disciplines. Uh, he got me, you know, doing quiet times and verse memorizations and uh, getting more connected with my prayer. And that was just really big, but also one of the things that he really helped me with uh, was develop my leadership skills and just, like, want to play a leadership role in Challenge, which eventually led me to uh, joining core team this semester. And uh, so, yeah, so during this my time as a student leader, uh, it's really just helped me grow in my own personal ministry. And I remember, just to give you an example, uh, for verse memorization, I remember telling Angel in November uh, when he gave me the verse, Romans 8.28, I memorized it. I'm like, bro, like, this was so hard. I, I don't think I can ever do this again. Like, and like, to the point, and like, that, that's just what I thought. And then just over the past few months with Angel and just uh, learning from people like Paul and people like that, it's just like, uh, for the month of March, I decided to make it a pr priority in my life to memorize a verse from the Bible a day for the whole month. And I was able to do that. And it's just so incredible to just see how like, God was working in my life at that moment. And another big instrumental like part uh, was me going to Hume Lake uh, this semester. 
And that just really changed my perspective on life. It was kind of there that it dawned on me that Jesus calls all of his followers to evangelism. That was something I never really thought of. I just thought that was like something that certain people did and not all. But when he says in Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, he's talking to us. Like he is talking to his followers. And that was something that just really impacted me. And when I came back from Hume, just to give you some context, actually, before I went to Hume, I was studying abroad this summer. I was going to go to England and just for the month. And when I got back from Hume, the first thing that I remember doing was I called the department and the people running this. And I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, I know I put some of the money down, but I'm canceling this like right now because I'm going to do Chico Project and just work on uh, focus on my personal ministry and just grow as a leader. And it's just like... It's just really crazy to me to think that the past three years, like, or three years ago, I was an atheist to fast forward to now and just see the impact God has made in my life and how God has and is able to use me to expand his kingdom. So, yeah. That's what it's all about, y'all. That's it. Uh, That is why we do what we do, is so that we can pass it on. The gospel came to you because it was headed to someone else. The reason you know Jesus is so you can pass his love on to someone else. So uh, I want to do one thing, one more thing. So let me ask you with a question, is what will your legacy be? What will your legacy be? Who will be in heaven as a result of your life? Father, thank you for these seniors. Thank you for the impact that they have made on our lives. We thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory for what you've done in and through them during their time with us. And I want to pray for them right now. All of us pray for them right now. And to commission, to together say, we are sending you. Um, Lord, I pray that this would be a special moment where they are sent from us to the world, to go and to make disciples. And this would be like a commissioning, Father. I pray that each person, each senior that's leaving us would would stay humble and teachable, that they would be humble before you and they would learn all, they would be lifetime learners. I pray that every one of them would stay faithful and stay zealous. I pray that every one of them would stay focused on your job of making disciples, the job that you've given us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.